Welcome to The Tailored Quill. I'm Taylor Wilkins, and I hope you enjoy today's perspective. Today, I'm super excited to be introducing Maura Janitazio. Did I say the last name right? Pretty close. <laughs> okay, all right, close <laughs> enough. Um, Mora is a rock star, and I love the story about how Mora and I met because Mora lives in Boston, and I was teaching a class back in Boston on authentic self-expression and personal branding and storytelling. And in the best way possible, Mora was like the Hermione Granger of the class. We had like <laughs> we had a very quiet class, and Mora was always the one who was just writing feverish notes, raising her hand immediately, volunteering the, uh, her own answers, and volunteering to come up and share. So it was awesome. There was a really cool dynamic with her from there. We had some great conversations following that. I've had the distinct honor to coach her even for a while. And she has some amazing goals going forward. At the moment, she works in ad tech sales. So, right? Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I always mess up that order. So ad tech sales in Boston, even in quarantine. But she is also engaged in uh, in a psychological assessment approach, which she could probably define better than that, called human design. And it's totally the side passion of hers, and she's a rock star at it. Um, She's provided for me before. She's going to tell you a little bit more detail about it. But despite all of her career endeavors, Mora is the absolute epitome of a cheerleader because... (laughs) She brings the energy, she brings the joy, and her absolute superpower is to make people not only feel cool and happy and supported, but to feel successful as well. So without further ado, welcome, Maura. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Taylor. This is so exciting, and it's, it's really fun to see you stepping into this new undertaking that you have going on as well. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, the good thing about quarantine is that we just get to try new things. I've always wanted to do this. Absolutely. And you are right. I am a Gryffindor, so it's <laughs> and it, uh, it almost hurts a little bit because it is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've never felt more known, right? <laughs> better or for worse. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And the funny thing, the cool thing for a little bit more context for our viewers is that we were just talking the other day about how your dream when you were younger was to be a talk show host was to be Katie Couric. And it's fun for me because I just love interviewing people. I love asking questions. And when I coach people, there's always the kind of the pressure of where the coaching is going. But I love this where I can just, I can just interview and we can have a dialogue and I get to learn things. Awesome. I just get to have fun. So yeah, so it's cool. Two talk show hosts. <laughs> It's talking away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, maybe we'll get some kind of paid gig from this together and we'll run a whole talk show. I mean, that is the dream invitation for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're working We're on it. Pulling that one in. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, you know, just to start, I mean, obviously currently the most pressing current events topics are coronavirus and quarantine and how it's affecting every layer of the economy. And you work you working in advertising, we've talked a ton about storytelling and personal branding in the sense of how to express ourselves to actually, you know, get our message out there. Mm-hmm. 
And so what do you think, either as a result of coronavirus or just in general, is the difficulty or the challenge of advertising? Yeah, I mean, actually, it's funny that I, I wish my CEO was listening to this because it's such a perfect setup for actually what my company brings to brands. But it is this interesting time, right, where brands have to still connect with people, but in a way that still feels authentic. And there's this real balance of not wanting to offend people, not wanting to come off like you're trying to take advantage of a really terrible situation, but wanting to remind you know your customers and your potential customers that you're still there for them. Um, and, and, and letting them know, hey, we have certain tools or products or services where we can either help you or support you or don't worry, like we're not going anywhere. So it is important for the brands to really figure out how do we get this message across and how do we, how do we reach people during this new unique time? I mean, my company uh, serves video ads across the internet, right? But then there are other companies who are really focused on what's called out of home advertising where it's all these billboards and you've seen the pictures, especially at the beginning of, of all of this. Imagine if you were a brand that just took over Times Square with all these billboards and you have an expectation that all these people are gonna see it and um, those eyeballs <laughs> all went away. So right. you gotta start getting creative with your messaging and your distribution and the measurement of it all while being really thoughtful about the scenario that we're in because it's totally unprecedented. Um, so it's affecting every aspect of advertising and media in really interesting ways. Yeah, I like that you brought up, you know, you're basically you're talking about kind of like the psychology of media, basically mm -hmm. like how can we connect with people? And I think advertising has such a negative stigma because in the old days it was just like shoving something at somebody like flashing it in front of them and we still do that but I think the point that you're bringing up is like we have to now focus on reassurance that we're still there for them yeah for your customer yeah think about um the way that that forces a marketing team at a brand to really come back to what's our what's our point what's our reason for being here what's the what are our core values of a brand and and how are we actually showing our customers that we're, we want to share that with them. Um, yeah. so it's, it's really in, in that sense that it gives these brands a moment to pause and say, whoa, what, what is it that we really want to say right now? So I think that's kind of a, a cool opportunity for some of these brands to take. And what my company does is we actually, after we serve out a brand's video, we have um, a survey that we will run yeah. post view. So if you are, you know, I don't know, to pick a, pick a brand. <laughs> uh, Chipotle. Okay, great. So if you're Chipotle, post view, you know, maybe you put a, an advertisement out, you say, hey, we're still open, here's how we're caring for our employees, and here's how we're gonna make sure we feed you in a really safe way. After somebody sees that, we can ask the viewer, how likely are you to order from Chipotle right now? Or we could say, how do you feel about Chipotle as a business? and actually ask the consumer how they feel in real time right after they've seen that ad. So to bring it back to what you said about, you know, the, the push, 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 which is what advertising really was for so long, 
we we really have this opportunity in 2020 with technology being where it is to not just be this like invasive push force, but actually listen to the consumer and ask them how they feel and use that as feedback to make the whole ecosystem a little bit better for everybody. I like it. And what you're really talking about is like real time in the moment relationship building. A hundred percent. And storytelling. Cause that's, yeah. what, that's what advertising is at its best too. Right. Right. And I know because I've had the privilege of getting to know you for so long that the relationship building aspect is what you love the most. Like yes. you, would, you would love, you would love to just like hang out and chat with your customers instead of worrying about all the nitty gritty <laughs> of like the technicalities of advertising. Uh, yeah. Sorry to all of my campaign managers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're really good at delegating. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the point stands instead of, I mean, that's definitely not to like blow anything up, but the point stands is that there's, especially now, mm-hmm. but also mainly for you uniquely, you know that something that's so valuable for you is making those relationships, mm-hmm. making those powerful relationships because you care about making people feel successful and cool. And so how over time, since a lot of times what our superpowers are, are related to what we have had to work on for ourselves, mm-hmm. how have, I know it's a work in progress for everybody, so we're never done. Don't worry. <laughs> but how over time have you been able to actually embrace your own awesomeness, your own energy? With regard to the current the situation as it stands now? No, I just mean in life. Because like you're so good at helping people feel so cool and successful and happy and, like, and you support them. And like you've definitely stepped more into your power, I know, over the past few years. So like how do you embrace it? You embrace your own success your own coolness your own badassness yeah well that is a very loaded question Taylor. (laughs) and i was thinking about this a little bit earlier today actually where and i hope this won't come off as a tangent but there's this idea that i was having in my head that all of the things that i do well and that i enjoy doing are also on some levels still being driven by a certain amount of selfishness um, because I do enjoy being recognized for the work that I've done well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I took it to the next level, I said, if we could all be embracing that little bit of selfishness that drives us to be a little bit of a better version of ourselves, then that's okay. Because ultimately the better we're doing for ourselves, the better we're going to be able to be for others. So that's really something that I keep in mind a lot um, because it is this cycle, right? Where I get so much energy and I feel so great when I'm providing something of value for somebody else, whether or not it's through my career in advertising or through the like a relationship with a client that's blossomed into a friendship. And that's what's so rewarding for me. And then to feel the human connection that comes back selfishly i i love that but i know that it's also just another little guidepost that i'm that i'm doing the right thing and i'm on the right path i guess sure <laughs> yeah absolutely and you're bringing up a good point that as a reminder to everybody who's watching this selfishness does not mean arrogance or entitlement yeah yeah exactly 
so important to call out. And, and my, my journey with my own ego has been a journey (laughs) over (laughs) the past 10 years or so. And probably since the day I was born, but, um, you know, we'll get into talking about human design a little bit later, but there's this pendulum swing between having, at least for me, and a lot of, I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of other people feel this way, but a very strong and maybe over-aggrandized at times sense of self and sometimes self-importance. And the, the other side is like, I, what is my, the point of me? What am I providing for anybody? I'm not living up to the expectations of my parents or God or anything. So what's the point, right? So it is, um, you know, there are those things to look out for and we all have our different, you know, um, mental health signposts that let us know, Hey, you're at risk of going off the trail here. But, um, (laughs) you know, there is the, the sweet spot in the middle where you feel really good about what you're doing. Um, and that selfishness isn't attached to that ego. It's a totally separate thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great point that it's attached to what you enjoy doing. As yeah. in, like what makes you happy, what's fulfilling, instead of just like what's feeding your ego as a distraction. It's com- completely, completely. Yeah. Because if that. we were all really jiving along, doing the things that we love and that made us feel good, the world would probably be a much better place. And it wouldn't <laughs> be like such an ego maniacal driven place. True. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people who might watch this might not even understand the difference because because of the fact that there's it's such a subtle line mm-hmm. between that ego-driven arrogance versus fulfillment-focused selfishness. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I just had this little mental activity pop into my mind, though. Like, I'm, If you could just take a second to imagine the whole community around you or even the whole world everybody was doing something that made them feel so good. You wouldn't walk outside and be like, wow, the earth is whack and it's filled with a bunch of self-entitled rude people. You'd be like, wow, this place kicks ass and I'm so happy to be alive. Everybody's having a great time. Everybody like looks good, feels good, is doing their thing. Like this is a jamboree of life. (laughs) Yeah. It wouldn't feel heavy and bad and and dirty you know yes absolutely i realize i'm saying this also from a place of extreme privilege i still have a job during a pandemic i have a beautiful house and i'm comfortable um and and sometimes there will be times in our life where we can't just think about what i want to do right in this moment but there's still a space to to help push us forward so that hopefully we can all be there together someday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And as I said before, when I asked this initial question, you're never done working on this kind of thing. You've never completely made it Mm -hmm. to the fulfillment. Cause even if you do reach that, you need to kind of keep progressing and keep practicing it because I've talked about this a lot recently. Life never gets actually easier. You just get better equipped to handle it exactly and so what you're talking about is like if you're coming from this place of selfish awareness selfish enlightenment as to like what's fulfilling for you then you use that as the benchmark use that as the guidepost so that the challenges don't feel as heavy 
going forward. Yeah. Nice. I like that. And this also reminds me of something that you and I have talked about a lot and, but a lot of people never really distinguish is the difference between selfish and selfless yeah. motivators, but you're hitting on the balance between the two. Cause absolutely we've all had that point of our lives where we feel like we are hot shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I definitely went through my phase too, thinking I'm definitely, I'm some kind of special person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it comes to what you said, like, if that part of you gets to be too high, you start to wonder, like, okay, where is this all going? Like, what else am I serving? Or am I disappointing expectations over here? Yeah. And so at a certain point, you start to like, focus on those things. And then it's just this constant balancing act. Yeah. Talking I'm, about. I'm great. I suck. I'm great. I suck. <laughs> yeah. Not a fun seesaw to be on at all. No, exactly. Which leads us to the power of self-awareness. Because as we're saying that if you are aware of what makes you happy, if you're aware of what actually fulfills you and what your purpose is, then you can design the life that has much more healthy balance mm -hmm. between serving yourself and serving others. So before we launch into self-awareness and personality and more about psychology and things, why don't you go ahead and give a little snapshot to whatever level of detail you want about human design for those people who don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so human design is essentially a tool that you can use to help understand who you are as an energetic being. Um, and it's this really cool amalgamation of astrology and the chakra system, some ancient wisdom, from other pieces of like old timey Judaism and as well as the Chinese I Ching. So it really Holy matches cow. all of, yeah, it's so amazing. So it kind of mashes all of these things together into one incredible tool. Um, and the reason I love it so much, if you can't hear it in my voice, is because I'm really somebody who I, you know, I'm, I'm quite a spiritual person, but that journey has also looked very different over the many seasons of my life so far. Um, and this is something that really doesn't ask you to believe in any one thing in order to be able to use it. And I think that's really important because some people are really comfortable with certain terminology like universe, or maybe they love Abraham Hicks, or maybe they are like, that's garbage and I hate that. And, you know, some people want to use the terms of God and Jesus or whatever it may be, whoever works for them and some people don't but human design has a kind of a different set of weird terminology you need to learn but it still lets you operate within whatever realm of spirituality or maybe lack thereof that you're comfortable with so um that's sort of what what drew it to me um and i think that ultimately all of these different things are really just trying to bring us to the same place, which is closer to ourselves and closer to one another. Um, so human design has really, it really found me at the right time where I was ready to have some like structure and real set of a tool that helped me put together all of these things I'd learned over the past, you know, handful of years, especially into kind of one, one beautiful thing. That's awesome. That's super cool. And I appreciate the fact that you <clears throat> went right ahead and clarified that it's not 
espousing one type of faith or spirituality because that's so unique to everybody. But I think that's like, as soon as you start saying things like, you know, chakras or different kinds of meditations or beliefs or faiths or things, people will start gravitating toward the stigmas. Of yeah. That. Say, oh, that's not for me. Or only yogis do that. Or only like witch women do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love the way that you described it. Cause you basically just described like four or five very different cultural influences. Mm-hmm. global different yeah. influences all jammed into yeah. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and that I kind of gave a non-traditional, I guess you would say introduction into what it is. Cause I didn't say too much about the thing, but more about the feelings I associate with it, which uh, yeah. as you know, is sort of my MO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what was I going to say? Oh, shoot. I forgot. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It'll probably come back. But what I was going to say is I like, I also appreciate the mention that no matter what approach is used to kind of develop that level of self-awareness or enlightenment, it's all serving this goal of not only connecting with yourself, but using your connection with yourself to connect with others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> speaking of authentic relationships yeah, exactly. like, that's and, what and you love design does too it, that really kind of connects to the essence of what it is because it's this tool that really celebrates the fact that we we are all extremely diverse in in the way we were born to interact with the world around us um mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we're it's like you know many different parts making up one whole um which I think is a really beautiful thing to consider. Yeah. There's like multiple levels of that. Cause you said there's a ton of different parts that make up human design. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then human design provides a ton of data points that make up each of us. And then each of us make up so much more. So which is just one aspect of, you know, this planet we're floating around on. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah. You know, this, another stigma that comes up, and of course, my background in psychology, I've taken a lot of personality assessments. I've also taken a lot of personality psychology classes, so I know where assessments even come from. Um, And when I, and I have the unique privilege that when I take a psychology test or I'm part of a research study or something like that, I'm always thinking behind the scenes of like, okay, what are they trying to get? <laughs> well, that's right. what actually the thing I forgot to say is one of the things I love about human design is I can't lie on it. <laughs> so right. that's the big hiccup with the assessment is because how honest am I, how honestly am I responding to these questions if I'm just thinking, what was their motivation to ask me this specific one? Right, right, totally. And but we'll get to that. Well, give the best possible result for me and show me as uh you know how I think that I should be seen (laughs) there you go (laughs) and you know before I do want to get to that but before we loop loop around to that on the topic of personality assessments Mm -hmm. a lot of people may have taken like the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram is blowing up right now too and people are so attached to it Enneagram is having a moment (laughs) yeah exactly and so firstly, like what's kind of your opinion on personality assessments in general, especially because someone might see human design and be like, oh, it's just another one. But how do you see the relationship between them? Um, 
it's it's a I have a little bit of a mixed bag answer. I love I love them and I have a hard time with them, I guess, because of all <laughs> the lying that I know I've done on on so many of them, right? And not because I'm a liar, I but I have I have to win it or I have to get an A and I need I need it to show me and remind me that I am what I think I am. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, I mean I always would my results were always ENFP uh, in Myers-Briggs, but I actually don't think I'm an F. I think I'm a T, mm. which is like, that could be a mind blowing moment. So I haven't gone back to uh, take a Myers-Briggs assessment recently, um, but I do plan to, because I wonder if um, in my new level of self-awareness and honestly acceptance, if I would see a little bit of something different. But human design is actually one of the tools that helped me realize that some of my Myers-Briggs tests were probably uh, falsehood (laughs) up until this point. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But I, you know, the Enneagram is, I actually think is so cool. And I actually got into it about three years ago through um, a business podcast I listened to, had an Enneagram expert on, and I was like, yes, give me that. I love it. I need to know. Um, and I am a two, uh, with a three wing. I'm a social two. Uh, and I've been chatting with a a girl who, um, I've done her human design and she's a generator like you, uh, for her energy type. And she's also a two in the Enneagram, but in the subtypes and all these different things, there are these really cool spaces that harken back to what somebody's human design body graph, uh, what it's, what it says about them. And so it's, so I love making the connections between all the different ones. When I see like, Oh, that's reflected in all of these different things. Um, it's, it's so cool. Um, but I guess the one kind of caveat that I've been sitting with a lot recently is I, when I look back and see all of the assessments and exams that I've taken through the years, and I can think back to like, waiting for like the next J14 magazine to come out so I could take the quiz. Like I've always been looking for whatever quiz in the magazine or a quiz online when the internet first came out or whatever, you know, more professional seeming, you know, marketed up version of a personality assessment is to tell me about myself. Um, and I see it play into this other theme I have of just like always being on like the content or consumption only mode of like, if I'm just learning and, um, you know, listening to reading this new book or listening to this new show, I'll get better and better and better. But it's, or if I take this other personality exam or my love language, then I'll know all of these things to know and I'll know everything there is to know about myself. But I actually never (laughs) took a time out to put any of it into practice or think about, you know, what really was working for me. So, um, that's something that I've been uh, toying with in my brain recently, but um, you bring it back to human design for one second, I guess that's another thing I love so much about it is no matter how much baggage you have from a letdown result in another assessment or whatever it may be, you know, there's no pressure when you run your human design chart because it's calculated using your birth time, place, location. So um, you can't change the outcome of it. But it shows you right there 
here's, here's the energy type you are. Here's your, all these different cool energies that you have going on. Um, uh, whether it's, you know, having a defined heart center or not, whether it's having a defined sacral center or not, which are kind of bringing it to the chakras of it all. But it gives you this framework to then say, well, okay, so now I can actually, I run this thing. I have no idea what the hell I'm looking at, but if I can find somebody to have a conversation with and then spend some time really looking into myself, then this assessment actually gave you that moment to have that pause and really like, think through some of what it's telling you right right yeah and I can speak from experience because you were nice enough to <clears throat> run my chart too and you know I know from my own experience and something that you and I have talked a lot about is that when you do assessments like this you're always kind of wary of okay you know is it the expert talking is it the actual data? Is this the information? Like what, you know, where is the suggestion coming from? And when I did it with you, going, this connects back to the authentic relationship that you and I talk about, that I was looking at that chart and, and you admit this too. So this isn't like criticizing human design. And there's just so many symbols <laughs> and so many things, and numbers and colors. Yeah. And so for someone who wants to try human design, they can look at it and do the research online, but they also just want somebody like yourself mm -hmm. to even just like give them a map of what the heck they're even looking at. Yeah, it would be, it's a lot to learn and it's a lot, the information available online is pretty fragmented. So mm -hmm. it's definitely worth having a conversation with somebody, um, especially at first. Sure, yeah. But you also bring up a very important point about consuming content too much thinking that that's all you need and it'll just automatically kind of like download <laughs> and then over time you'll you'll just kind of like pick up whatever has been downloaded and so talk i mean that's something that i work on too like 2020 is my my resolution in 2020 was to kind of like cut out the noise only yeah. focus on what i actually need to learn and learn that thing yeah. Instead of just listening to all this stuff. And I know that you've worked on it too. How nature also reminded you that that was a great idea. Like, <laughs> just stop. Just yeah. Stop. Just simplify. simplify. So, so I think a lot of people who will listen to a show like this or consume this type of content, they may get stuck in that same trap. And so yeah. since you and I are both working on it, <laughs> it's a work in progress for both of us. What kind, of, what kind of advice would you give to people about consuming too much and at what point they should start actually trying to apply? Yeah, that is a really great question. And I'd like to give <laughs> advice to everybody based on a personal relationship I have with them, right? <laughs> sure. Um, there's, there's again, you know, like the little signposts we were kind of talking about earlier for, I have signposts myself where, um, I will realize that when, you know, for instance, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of audiobooks. So when one ends, I will, I notice myself immediately figuring out what's next. Like, mm. where am I going to play next? And it's like, whoa, <laughs> let's, you know, so I'll try and tell myself, okay, I need to spend at least five minutes to say, you know, with myself, what did I learn from that podcast or book? 
how do I feel right now? And just like a check-in with myself because I've realized, especially now in the midst of the pandemic, like it's such an anxiety coping thing for me. And I see the connection between like how much content I'm just trying to consume, 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 and the level of anxiety that maybe I'm ignoring. So I'll also try and tell myself, all right, I, I'll like give myself a, um, like a challenge, right? And I'd say for the next 30 minutes, just like put on music, doesn't matter what music it is, just put on music and don't read or listen to a podcast or anything like that. And it helps me come back to myself a little bit. Um, and so just, you know, the more you can get familiar with what those little, little like signposts are for, for you. And then if you have, if you can have a challenge like on hand to say, okay, I know when I'm, you know, this is my signpost. This is, oh, I just listened to three and a half hours of like freaking podcast straight. (laughs) No way this is benefiting my brain anymore at this point. Um, so now I have to do my challenge, which is 30 minutes of music or go do a yoga class or whatever it may be. Um, but I would also give advice based on somebody's, um, human, human design chart too. (laughs) I would say, try and try and do a meditation. If you hate meditating, try and journal for five minutes, you know? So. Yeah. And speaking from experience, when you read my chart and we talked it through, Granted, it's a ton of amazing self-awareness insights. Like I took so many pages of notes as you were like talking me through all the things. And I definitely had that question of like, okay, this is a ton of info. What next? And what was cool about what you did was you practiced what you just preached. You know, you told me, you told me, okay, like take something really small. Like you said, based on your personality and this and your profile, this is what the key priority is going forward Mm -hmm. and so I can speak to that example very easily and that's just an example of what you were just sharing about how everybody needs to figure out their own specific little nuanced way to just turn off the podcasts or turn off social media and reflect figure out what they want to do with it could be five minutes could be 30 minutes could be a whiteboarding session with a business partner whatever I was going to ask you what yours is, but I think you just told us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me, it's journaling, <clears throat> for sure. Like, like after, after we did the, <laughs> the human design thing, we got off the phone and my, my head was full of such, so much information, but I still like went through and read all five or six pages of my notes mm-hmm. just to see like what stuck, stuck out. But then what was really interesting was a couple weeks later, I think I had asked you a separate question and then I had found something online that like zeroed everything in even further mm-hmm. too. And so that was super cool because it builds on itself and yeah. kind of informs what to actually focus on. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Me too. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm talking about that because I think so many people get in that trap mm-hmm. of collecting way too much information and it's not, it's nothing wrong necessarily with the information or that they're collecting it. They just don't know what to do with it. Right. They don't know how to choose it for themselves or choose the focus for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, see, do you feel like that's the case with, you know, personality assessments, but mainly in human design? Yeah. And I think, you know, if I, if, at least from my experience, definitely, because it's with the assessments or with, you know, for instance, the book shelf I'm looking at right now that's filled with 
beautiful books, some that I've read and some that I have not, uh, including a very thick guide on the wisdom of the Enneagram that I bought three <laughs> podcasts about it, thought it was the shit, and then never opened the book. Excuse mm-hmm. my friend. Um, you know, it's, it's, those are just all the things for me, at least that I was paying for in a lot of cases or seeking out that are all external to that. Let me parade as though I was doing the work Mm -hmm. really, really made it seem like I was helped me trick myself into believing I was, even though really I knew that I wasn't truly doing the work until I was actually sitting down to think about how that lesson from that book or that podcast or what that assessment said actually is impacting me on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And there's so, there's so much of information available on everything now that it's very easy, like you said, to just go to click to the next podcast mm-hmm. without much intentionality. And so, you know, whether it's people I mean, oftentimes there are two camps. There's, there are people who will consume a lot of content just for the distraction of just like feeling like they're collecting knowledge and it feels good and it'll eventually absorb. But there are also all the people who are nervous and don't really know where to go, and, but they want to go somewhere with it. They want to change something with their life, but they don't really know, like what you're talking about, how to actually set that focus. Mm-hmm. And so maybe for either bucket, but also, but mainly for the ones like who are really interested in changing something in their lives and don't know where to start. What kind of advice would you give? Oh, well, I would tell them to find a coach like you actually. <laughs> <laughs> Not to plug you too hard, but um, you know, yeah. And we don't, I mean, we can go, we can talk as much about our relationship as you want and during in the confines of this show. But for me, you know, when I recognize that when like you're talking about this experience of somebody saying, okay, you know, I, I really do want to kind of take the next step. Mm -hmm. If you're anything like me, you, you really need a partner in that. Um, because it can just continue to be very easy and safe to fall back into your old habits. Um, and if you can just tell somebody, whether it's a, a very trusted friend or you are lucky enough to find a coach that you really jive with, Hey, I want to do this. And I I need somebody to either like push me or hold my hand or be, just be aware that this is happening and like, you know, write out a promise note to yourself and and say, this is my mission. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's for me really, really what it comes down to. Um, and also like, you know, coming back to the same idea of wanting the personality assessment to, to say a certain thing, you know, I, <laughs> every therapist I had for so long or any, you know, kind of mentor authority figure, because I just wanted them to think I was so great and wonderful. <laughs> it's like, I'm in therapy. <laughs> Why stop lying to the therapist? You're obviously <laughs> there for a reason. So, um, but I was able to, you know, when I met you, I, I'm sure I was lying to you at first too, because I wanted you to think I was so great. Uh, but then, you know, there are people who will see through the BS and say, okay, if you really aren't messing around, no more, yeah. no more lies. <laughs> <laughs> no more lies to provide an intervention of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you're, you're bringing up is so important and the way that I'm visualizing it for people to make it kind of like a step-by-step plan is 
to avoid you know lying to a therapist or trying to manipulate a personality test to get the right answer what we're really talking about is just it has to start with you being honest with yourself like step one is you have to be honest with yourself about what you're even looking for from content or from learning like is there some kind of change that you actually want to make and if that's because something's not going well you have to be honest about that totally and i'm sure people are going to be listening to this converse or people who are listening to this conversation have some level of past experience with personal development and self-awareness and, and all the good stuff but i still think it's worth mentioning that that can be really hard oh yeah and and like the honesty doesn't just pop up most of the time but the desire for the honesty i think is really what step one is mm -hmm. um it's like step a before step one right you, yeah. you you have that yearning to to want to be honest and want to get serious um and i think that's that in and of itself is is so important you're totally yeah you're exactly right and i think step Two, <laughs> this is great. We're making like a step-by-step -step plan for people. You love that. I do. Um, step, step two is kind of like identifying who in your life could be that source of the intervention. Yeah. Because like, we, you know, of course we're talking about it in terms of how we can coach people mm -hmm. because this group who actually wants to be changed or to work on certain things, that's our ideal clients. Mm -hmm. They want growth. And there's nothing wrong with the other bucket of people who don't really want the growth yet because we are all human and that's just talking about insecurities and we're all insecure. <laughs> so, but that step two is like people then once they're honest with themselves, they need to figure out who they can actually go to, to take that next step. Yeah. And that could be a family member. That could be a sibling. That could be a best friend be a co-worker this day and age when human connection has changed so much and especially right now during the quarantine yeah that can be really really hard in itself yeah and like but speak I from your experience too like you love hanging out with people <laughs> you love in-person experiences and connections and you can't do that during during a <laughs> pandemic <laughs> I can't. Uh, so many canceled concerts, so many canceled events. It's sad. It is hard. Yeah. But I'm, I am doing um, better than I expected that I would with this space, which has actually been another interesting lens to look at the whole experience through. But I don't want to, we can put a pin in that and come back. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, geez, what? <laughs> that's okay. oh, well there are i think the, you know the almost the silver lining even though the the ability to just like open your phone in the morning and if you can't leave your apartment all of a sudden you know hours could go by hypothetically and you could still be watching the news on your phone or on twitter or you know tormenting yourself and your brain don't do that to your brain please uh, but there are so many tools online and there are so many people like you who are putting out really valuable content. Um, and there's all these different modalities. So you can really explore even just surface level and see which one you feel more of like a, that magnetic pull toward. And then you can say, okay, Hey, I'm going to 
if I know I'm still not going to be really like going anywhere major for the next six weeks, I'm, these are the three things that I saw through just like following random hashtags around personal development or, or mental health or whatever it may be. And I'm going to experiment with these three ones and, and see if, if I'm really feeling the pull toward those. Just like you were saying, experiment. Yeah. Time for it's it. It's like, it's like customized experiments. It's like yeah. recognizing what you actually want and then just like design an experiment around that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to think that you have to write a hypothesis and like go through the whole, the whole process. <laughs> might work for people like Taylor. For, like, that might make it feel really good and manageable, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a full blown um, written out process, but it can, right. just, it can be a, a free form experiment. It can be an abstract experiment <laughs> exactly works and, for you. <laughs> and you and I were just talking about this the other day like treating it kind of like a spontaneous activity mm -hmm. of just thinking okay well I'm stuck at home what's the you know what's the harm in just looking at these certain areas of content and seeing what I want to experience from them or seeing what I want to learn for myself and like set your own set your own parameters to it because you can't really go anywhere. You can't do anything. That's so true. And, and you can say, and again, all coming back to like what works for you. If you're somebody who likes to have a little bit of a schedule, you can just say, okay, every afternoon from two to three, I'm just going to like go down this rabbit hole of, you know, the Enneagram or yeah, yeah. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole of Gary V videos. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or this is when I'm going to do my experiment. This is when I'm going to, um, you know, try out this new thing where I just put a blank piece of paper in front of my face and I force myself to write something and see what happens. Right. Um, and so it's, it's like the scheduling of the experiment <laughs> and then yeah. within that space is, could be it awesome it could be less than awesome but you just can't put the pressure on it of the expectation right you've got to remove all the expectations absolutely and my example of that is journaling like mm -hmm. i know that there are certain times in a given week that like i'm gonna my brain is switching into journaling mode and i need to turn off all kind of concrete things and let my brain just kind of explode and then capture all of it, go on a walk while journaling. And then after, like, once I start to feel that it's like complete, it's like, cool, that was it. I finished. I can look, yeah, that's my scheduled time, you know. Personally, it's hard for me to predict when that's going to happen. It's just better to be able to be flexible. Have you found, uh, I mean, have you yourself actually scheduled content consumption time like that? I have. I, that's actually the idea of scheduling it is one of my experiments. Um, oh, cool. And so, and again, like it's almost a season of life type thing. There are certain times in my life where I find that scheduling, blocking out times or theming days works really well and it helps me get in a really good flow. And there are other times where I'm just like, no, <laughs> I got to go back to the, just trying to tap back into, you know, maybe my personal energy within myself has changed a lot. And so let me try and recalibrate and pay attention to, you know, the peaks and valleys of either productivity, or maybe right now I can, I have the energy and ability to answer a bunch of emails 
um, or maybe right now I really don't. So I'm going to just go for a walk in nature or read a book. Um, um, and I, I can't pay attention to whatever I had like planned to planned out or scheduled ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. And this further emphasizes the fact that quarantine is a perfect time to do this because you can only take one day <laughs> as its own little time capsule. Exactly. And what you're talking about is like, all right, so like, what are obligations today? What, are, how is that scheduled? But then you have that flexibility mm-hmm. to do the things that you want to do, try new things, design a new experiment, or just get outside and go on a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so cool. I mean, I've never been on so many walks in my life. that <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and I've shared this with you before too. I, ha- I tend to have these like spontaneous knowings or realizations when I'm actually moving my body. So, you know, for a long time, they were happening most often in my spin classes, but shout out Bespoke Boston. Um, <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> but uh, now I can, I can go out in, into nature and walk on these incredible paths that are in my town that I hadn't really explored before and have that sort of mental space to have those knowings and um, have those little gifts of, you know, my brain telling me something that I should write down right away. So, you know, you're journaling and, and walking. I'm sometimes also journaling and walking or <laughs> voice memo instead. But I also try and remind myself, you know, hey, go, when you go on this walk, don't put on the freaking audio book fifth risk Michael Lewis new book while you're going to walk because you're robbing yourself of a potentially, you know, a, a moment that brings you me closer to myself or, um, you know, all of a sudden these three different concepts that were in my brain connect into one idea and it gives me something that I'm really excited to share with you or my husband or my friend of mine. Um, yeah. So- Yeah, I love, I mean, that's such an important reminder because there are so many people kind of on the other end of the spectrum that we're talking about who love to fill in the time Mm -hmm. so that there's no wasted time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tony Robbins calls it no net time. So no, no, no extra time, (laughs) basically. And, um, but I think what your point is really emphasizing is the fact that even if you don't listen to an audiobook while you're walking, it's not wasted time if you're like reflecting on something you learned or something you're thinking about or you're letting your brain integrate some of those thoughts that's been having. It's mental digestion. Like it's the same reason we break up when we eat during the day. We're not just like slowly eating from, although some, there have been some days like that. <laughs> didn't really take a lot of time off <laughs> between snacks. <but laughs> oh my God. I'm sure you're not the only one. So but, like the lessons don't come to you while you're like, just keep force feeding your brain more and more information. So. Definitely. And for me, there, there's also the idea of like, okay, if I'm got up to go on this, you know, 8am walk before I sit down in my office for the day and I'm saying, Oh, okay. What, uh, what book am I going to dial up now? It's like, okay, what am I avoiding? Why do I not want to go spend time with myself today? Oh, that's such a great awareness. I think a lot of people are using it to as an avoidance technique or a distraction from something else, especially in quarantine. It's like the flip side of what we're talking about in quarantine. It's very easy to be like, well, I can just save this for tomorrow. 
you know, this thing that I'm uncomfortable with and I'm trying not to worry about, I can just save it for tomorrow. And then, like you said, just put on another podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, try something else. On my walk and I also, you know, learn something. Yeah, exactly. Really <laughs> trying to avoid the, the uncomfy. Yeah, which I think that should be our, hash, our hashtag. Avoid or a, a hashtag, avoid the uncomfy. Because <laughs> um, that's so true. I think that's what, you know, that's very human. Speaking of human design, that's like part of human evolution to avoid what is uncomfortable or risky or threatening, which is why it comes down to making sure to be honest with yourself about like what you want out of your life. Yeah. Because that's going to be uncomfortable. Growth and evolution is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like the, all the uh, avoiding the uncomfy is a version of self-preservation in a way, Yeah. but self-preservation does not a full life make. So. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, and this is the type of topic that I hop on the soapbox and love talking about, you know, Preach. <laughs> yeah, embracing the, embracing the uncomfy. But, um, you know, tying it back to human design, the, in your own words, how would learning about yourself through something such as human design or a personality assessment help you going forward to embrace discomfort of personal growth? Yeah. And I, this is something that you and I have talked about quite a bit because I really view human design as, um, one version of a lens that you can take to have all these different types of conversations. And I really think that it's important to have, have like a buoy, to have a place to return to that gives you a a sense of being grounded in these scary and maybe unfamiliar conversations or thoughts that you're about to have. So you can say, okay, I'm going to go swim in the deep end, but I know that I have a place to come back to when when I can't tread for any further. So if you just bring it back, instead of feeling like, okay, I want to improve my life and I'm just going to walk out the door and have no idea of where I'm going. It gives you that place to return to. Oh, I love that. That sense of safety. Mm -hmm. Right. But it doesn't seem like returning to that place of safety within yourself that doesn't seem like regression. That doesn't seem like you're taking steps back. No, 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 definitely, definitely not. I, I just mean the framework itself. Having the framework provides the sense of safety. You, what, what you learn, you can't, you can't take it away. <laughs> when right. going, I mean, you can try to avoid it, but it's really hard to do, right? Yeah. Um, and once, once you've graduated to the next step of, whew, I'm leaving some of that, junk behind me you don't sometimes you'll say i want to i want to go back i was just listening to somebody actually talk about this very concept like sometimes i want to go back to to my anxiety or or my deepest darkest depression days but i can't access them anymore because i've done Mm. this work i've done this healing and that's really cool You're leveling up and eat and Pete, there's always going to be people in your life who are used to the version of you that is really down, is really depressed, is super anxious. And it's going to freak them out that you're not down there anymore. Yeah. But 
when, you know, at every, every step of the way, you have the framework to say, okay, I'm, I'm still operating within <laughs> the confines of, of this framework, even though it's, it's giving me access to like the unlimited options that I have. Right. Ways I can go express myself and live my life and heal and get better and celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good. That, yeah, that was a mic drop right there. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, there's so many points I could go off of on that, but I love the reminder of, you know, what you're talking about is if you're able to get past and kind of like level up, as you say to get past the, the darkness, to work through the darkness, accept your darkness. Mm -hmm. It's not that you're ignoring your darkness anymore. It's not like you're repressing it or covering it up. And that's how you just like can't access it. Yeah. It's that, no, you've accepted your darkness. You like stepped into it with mm -hmm. this sense of self-awareness, providing safety, mm -hmm. of knowing that you're gonna be safe, you're gonna be secure, you're gonna be held by your own self-knowledge, even if you have to go through a lot of challenge and a lot of hardship or a dark past. And just like what you said, like life, life's not getting easier. We're just becoming a, a little better and more equipped at, at dealing with all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's going to be super helpful for the listeners and viewers of this because all of these things we're talking about is just equipment. There's mm -hmm. tools, tools you can use that will always help bolster you on your journey toward happiness. Yeah. 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 Totally. And that's why we, I mean, ultimately at our best, that's why we're learning the tools because we want them to be catalysts to the best versions of our lives because we don't have that much time here. Right. So <laughs> that actually reminds me, I think I might've told you this Taylor before, but, um, there's this concept and I can't remember the name and I don't want to say it wrong. So I'll have to get back to you on it. But, um, in China, there's this concept that when you are born, you've left a piece of your soul in, you know, in heaven or in the universe or from wherever we all came from. And that your life is just a journey back to reconnect you with that missing piece of your soul. So you're never really whole while you're here on this journey and which is such a beautiful metaphor of in of itself right because we're all suffering in some various way yeah. um but it's our mission to take the the best path back to reunite with the rest of our soul yeah yeah i completely agree <laughs> how cool is that i love that i absolutely love that and of course, and it's cool that there are so many corollaries to other, you know, spiritualities and faiths that connect with that exact same mission, totally. that there's something that we're just trying to get back to. But while we're here, it's just part of our experience to be incomplete and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We're just working on it. Accepting the darkness, accepting the, the lack of wholeness or the, the imperfection or whatever, word is really the one that triggers you to feel like you're less than or you're not perfect with yeah. your imperfections. So. Exactly. Oh my gosh, we could have a whole we might have to have a whole other episode just on that topic. <laughs> um for now though, I mean we've discussed a lot and we have 
Yeah, it is very full, very layered, but I love the way that our conversation looped back to how we even started the conversation too, about relationships and acceptance, self-acceptance and things. So we'll close it there, but for, for now, since you are leaning so much into human design and you love it so much, and I can personally attest how incredible you are at guiding someone through a human design chart and what it does, um, why don't you give a little plug for yourself of like what, how people can, I'll put your handle, your name and your social media handle in the show notes, but tell people how to reach you and what's going on. Anybody is interested in doing a little one-on-one consultation about their human design chart. I typically break it up into either two or three calls because there is so much to get into. And that's why I didn't really try and even describe everything that goes into it during this. <laughs> conversation because it would just become a whole pitch for human design. Um, <laughs> are interested, um, please reach out to me um, on Instagram is the easiest way. Um, I'm at Mara Monroe. Taylor will post it as you just mentioned, but you can just DM me and we'll get a Zoom set up and we'll have a really beautiful conversation because I've never not had a beautiful conversation about somebody's human design chart. So. <laughs> I love it. I love that idea, that term, beautiful conversation. That should be another hashtag. That's all <laughs> Yeah. But seriously, anybody who's watching this, like I, I mean it when I say the, the depth and the detail of the self-awareness that Mora brings to the human design interpretations is mind blowing. I did need to have multiple sessions with her. We had one session that lasted like multiple hours and that still wasn't enough. And that shouldn't overwhelm people. That should actually excite people. <laughs> we can also set up time limits if that helps me. <laughs> True. You're right. That was one thing we didn't do when you, when you were interpreting it. I was just like scribbling notes for multiple hours. Um, but it is amazing. There's so much detail involved. And Mora is a fantastic teacher of it. So make sure to take advantage of that. So any teacher as well, Taylor. So. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Any closing notes or thoughts you want to say more? Oh my gosh. That puts a lot of pressure on it. No, I just, this is, this has been a great conversation. Of course I knew it would be, but it's just so funny. Some of the things we've talked about have just been things that have been on the very forefront of my mind. So I guess the only other thing I would say right now is just, um, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. That's something I've also been thinking a lot. And that goes for you too, Taylor. Like, just because we are in this incredible and not in a positive way necessarily, you know, situation, you don't have to say, okay, well, I have to make the most of it and I'm going to publish my novel. Like you, sure, if you do, that's amazing. And if you don't and you just like really try and take care of yourself and, you know, some new ways, then that's great too, because it's really just about the experiment and not the achievement, um, I think right now. That's such a, such a powerful reminder. I appreciate it. And it's, it's something I have to continue reminding myself too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Be kind to ourselves. Yeah. And so with that beautiful reminder, we will close that up for now. If anybody wants to get in touch with Mora, I will put all of her information in the notes. If anybody wants to get in touch with me, I'll also put that information in the notes. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, everybody feel free to reach out with your thoughts and comments. Both Mora and I really enjoy direct DMs just to start conversations. We really enjoy doing that. So thank you everybody for watching and we will see you next time.
Thank you, Taylor.